Monique is a San Diego-based yoga teacher explaining and exploring grief in the body. She is also the author of a book called The Grief Practice, Stories of Surviving Loss and Practices for Supporting Loss. In her mid-20s, Monique suddenly lost her husband, Nathan, due to a complication with one of his chemotherapy drugs. Monique says of this loss, With a long history of major depression, no embodied resources, and living in a society that stigmatized grief, I dropped into a deep and dark crevice of isolation and complicated grief for many years. But now, almost 18 years later, after exploring her own grief and discovering many useful healing practices, Monique says her work is focused on creating supportive containers for people to move with and through all kinds of loss safely. Whether it be through her yoga workshops or her writing and poetry, Monique offers support to those who are experiencing the same challenging emotions she faced with the loss of her husband. Let's take a listen. Hi, Monique. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thanks for taking the time to be here with us to discuss a topic that I really felt we needed to bring to this conversation at Be The Good. It's something that I feel like will really serve my listeners, and that is the topic of grief. And I think that if we haven't dealt with it yet, we're going to be met with grief at some point in our lives. And I'm hopeful that this conversation will serve my listeners in that way. So in your mid-20s, you lost your husband, Nathan, rather suddenly. I'm very sorry for your loss. Can you tell us about that time in your life and what grief looked like for you initially? Yes. Yeah, so it was very overwhelming. It was a sudden, sudden loss. He died suddenly. And um, I just, I often think that our when we meet grief, like how we meet it is very dependent on what's happened in our life up to that moment. And so for me, I had struggled with major depression and I had been on antidepressants since I was a teenager. And so that moment when he died really kind of pushed me over this edge internally. And um, it was for me for several years, a really isolating and just... uh, horrible is the word that comes to mind experience. I didn't have a lot of resources either internally or externally. And I lost a lot of community as many of us do. Um, So it just took me to a very dark place. And for down the road a stretch, I, there was a a period of time where I was suicidal and um, it just, I wasn't able to find a new way forward because I couldn't, couldn't really shift my perspective and my get enough grounding to know that there was that there was really hope. So for me it was yeah just overwhelming and it was it was back in 2002 so nowadays we have so many online communities and forums and even in-person resources and either I didn't know about them or they you know it was kind of in the early days of the internet so I yeah it was just a very unique and and lonely time so I really relate to that for people that, you know, that dark period. For sure. And as you worked your way through this deep depression and grief, when was it that something sparked in you to want to help other people who were grieving or, or how did you, I guess, get out of that space, transition through that space to be in a a position to want to help other people? Yeah. So it was several years, I would say around five years after Nathan died that I started to practice yoga and I started to become more aware of um, the idea of mindfulness. And for me, those practices really 
tune me into my own internal resources on the level of the body. And so for me, that was uh, the way that I was able to connect with a sense of strength and a sense of hope. And so after I had been practicing for a while and I started to see how effective these this approach was versus talk therapy for someone like me, um, I just got really curious as to like what's happening in a yoga class once a week that didn't happen on antidepressants and in therapy. And so I took a yoga teacher training and then I really dove into understanding trauma and emotions in the body. And that's kind of when I was like, well, I want to share these practices with people, not in a way to fix it. Cause I feel like, especially something like yoga, it's like yoga for back pain and yoga for stress, you know? And I was like, I am not going to do yoga for grief. Cause there's not to me, there's nothing wrong with somebody or with their grief. Like it's just a tremendous human experience. And so I was really interested in like, how do I create a space and so that people can come and find their own embodied and internal you know, resources so that they can have a maybe a better capacity for bearing up under this tremendous experience. And so that kind of was the beginning of when I started to um, create what I offer now, which is my workshops are more focused on grief in the body and and helping all of us just remember how um, how our bodies are just always really fighting for us and helping us to survive. So yeah, I would say it was about five or six years in and then I've been doing it for a while now and I I just really enjoy it. It's awesome. And now almost 18 years later, you say that your work uh, is to create supportive containers for people to move with and through all kinds of loss safely. Can you tell us about your yoga workshops and your writing and how you've seen both effectively support those who are grieving? Yeah, so uh, the workshops that I do now are are called Grief in the Body, and they're in a in a few different formats for people who are grieving, for um, people who are supporting people who are grieving, like therapists or nurses or palliative care um, doctors. And but to me, I think of it as like I'm trying to blend the science of what we know about <clears throat> how our experiences land in our body with the soul of how we human on. So that is kind of what I'm what I'm bringing to the table. There's so many great and wonderful supports out there, but that's sort of my interest and and so I feel like whether it's a yoga class or a workshop that incorporates yoga and mindfulness, it's really about letting people get a se- a felt sense of how they can come home to their own body um in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming because um, I feel like it definitely for me in the beginning, the emotions that accompanied my experience of grief were so overwhelming that I kind of felt like if I go there, I'll just, I'll never come back. If I go into that feeling, I'll never be able to surface or it'll take me under forever. And so there's a good reason for that. And it, so we don't have to take it on all at once is, is kind of where I'm coming from. Um, but really the healing is in, reuniting ourselves with our our whole experience which is not just the healing that feels good but also a lot of the pain that we you know instinctively run from and so the workshops and the practices are just to give people you know the idea of an anchor something that you can use whether it's inside your body something like your breath or something outside your body like something you can see or feel so that you can 
move through um, a physical practice, like something like yoga, or even a meditative practice, or crying on your kitchen floor, and you have something that just you can kind of have a sense of, so that you don't feel like you're you're lost forever. And um, that's different for everyone. So I try to offer it in a way where it's like people can choose. I think of it sometimes as like, if you're going to go take a swim in the ocean, like sometimes you just stand on the sand. Sometimes you go up to your knees and sometimes you're like, I'm ready to go exploring because I feel strong enough and equipped enough and safe enough. And I don't know what that is. Only, you know, we individually only know that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to um, facilitate. And I've had... Yeah, just really beautiful responses from um, how it affects people and how supported they feel. Um, it can be like as simple as people saying, I just feel like I can breathe here. And to me, that's really a big statement because it's, you know, the idea of being able to breathe. I feel like all, all of us have felt like we can't breathe We're, or like our hearts are, you know, super heavy. Like it's a visceral experience. And, you know, being able to breathe, like feeling like you can breathe is, is both a function of like what you have access to in your body physically and also like how you feel emotionally, how supported you feel, how safe you feel. It's just, it's so important what you're doing. I personally lost my mom 10 years ago. And uh, I also just lost a close friend of mine recently. And initially I really struggled with navigating grief because I had no way of anticipating how many emotions would come along with it, let alone how to navigate them. Could you maybe speak to the range of emotions commonly associated with grief and how you feel it's best for us to move through them? Yeah, that's, I love that question. I'm just curious, what was your mom's name? Her name was Sandy. Sandy. Yes. I love that. And you know, what's interesting uh, is that she, just to insert this a little bit, because we're talking about yoga, probably a few years before she passed, had really dove into yoga herself when she was unfortunately, when it was clear that she was dying and she had made a decision to come home on hospice, um, her kidneys were failing. And ultimately, it was a decision that she made, a very brave decision that she made to come home. Um, And the stress, I was with her through a lot of it. My whole family was. But at one point, we were about to leave the hospital to come home. And I think she could just tell that I was very stressed and overwhelmed, even though I was trying to put on a brave face. And she said to me, you know what you need? And I said, no. And she said, you need yoga. And, and, and she said, when I pass, you need to really grieve me and you really need to take care of yourself and your body. And I actually ultimately went into a teacher training program too, (laughs) after the fact, but it's just, um, that's why I find what you're doing really interesting because I think that just like you, I didn't feel like I had anything, any support system. I mean, I'm really grateful that she planted that little seed and said, go, go do this to help yourself grieve. And it really did help me tremendously. I I just love the story that you shared. And I, I like what wisdom that she said that to you, because I had a similar experience when I started to do yoga, because, um, it allowed me to move things that I was feeling and energy through my body in a way that I couldn't put words around. And and that's one of the reasons why I feel like it's such a supportive practice when people are drawn to it, because we can't always um, talk our way through our experience of grief at certain points. And we also can't even put a name to certain things that we're feeling, but we feel it. And when we do, especially a mindfulness-based movement practice, we can move the energy that's associated with it. Um, 
and it makes us feel different. You know, it doesn't change the fact that they're gone, but it does change how we experience the world. And, um, and that's kind of, I guess, starts to blend into the emotions that we experience in grief. And, and there's such a huge range. I, I've sort of come to a place where <clears throat> grief is not just, an, to me and my perspective, grief is not just an emotion. I feel like it kind of gets lumped into like, oh, you're grieving. It's like a, a feeling and it is. Um, to me, it's so much bigger than that. Like I think of it as being biopsychosocial where it's like, yes, it's in our biology. Like we have a biological experience, a physical experience, but we also have a psychological com- component of it. And then our social circles, our society, our community, our families, like how they respond to it are a huge part of what creates our ultimate experience. And, um, but a big part of what is grief, I think, is the emotions and the sensations that come along with it. And some of it we can name, which is like anxiety or anger or depression or sadness. Um, there's a whole range of things. And some of it we can feel, but we can't really name. It doesn't have like an obvious name, like I'm sad or, you know, but there's, there's a sense of it. And we often, if we kind of slow down our experience, we can even see like, well, I'm what does it feel like? Does it feel, um, you know, if it had a shape, what shape would it be? If it had a color, what color would it be? You know, like what texture would it be? And so we can get a sense of what we're feeling, even though we can't really put words to it. When we can tune into actually what it is that we're feeling, sometimes we can then find a way, the best way for us to support that. Um, And I think of it as like moving with the experience um, instead of trying to like, well, I feel... Um, I feel bad in some way. And so let me just try to like get to this better place and just, cu- you know, cut that part off. And um, I find both movement and non-movement, it's mostly like a, a movement with awareness or a non-movement with awareness to be so useful for moving with because um, especially with emotional, with the emotions, they're an energy, like they have, they're connected to a sensation in our body. So like when we feel sad, a lot of times, um, we, if you look at our, like somebody who feels sad, like how do we know they're sad? Because their posture and their face and their eyes and their, even for them, like their breath, um, starts to shift and same thing with anger. And so there's an energetic component when we have really tremendous and overwhelming experiences, our bodies mobilize energy, um, because that's the way we're wired, like just physically. And, a lot of times because grief is not like, um, you know, I just saw a big bear. Now I can go run. (laughs) Um, it's a different kind of overwhelm often, not for everyone, but for many of us. And so we have energy that's mobilized, but it doesn't always get to move. Like a lot of times we want to cry, but we don't, right. We put on like you with, you're saying with your mom, I'm trying to keep it together for her. Like there is, we, we have this visceral sensation of like, I'm really angry or I'm really, I really want to cry, but we hold it in and we're holding in energy. And and so I think, I guess to get back to your question is that, you know, becoming aware of maybe, I think of emotions, sometimes there's like a top tier emotion where like, this is, this, I'm angry on the outside. But then sometimes if we can move some of the energy with the anger, there's like something under that, like a second tier emotion. It's like, oh, well, under my very, you know, legitimate anger, like there's actually some legitimate sadness and the anger was maybe, you know, holding the front for it. So I just find it, you know, 
exploring it, exploring the emotions and the sensations in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and in a way that feels like, you know, we can take a little bit or go into it a little bit and feel like we're supported in the process because I think that that makes a big difference. So for sure. And I I like how you're saying, you know, talk, I like how you're talking about moving, it being something that needs to move through you because that is definitely what I, it's now advice that I give to other people you know, when a friend loses a parent or when someone loses someone significant and, you know, we're just speaking about my experience, I say, you know, it's something that you can't avoid. You know, oftentimes it hurts so much and it's so painful that you think just kind of like you said, like, I can't go there. I don't want to go there. But the only way out is through and you have to move this energy through you. And for me, I know it, it became... I mean, I would just have, I remember going to work and holding it in, you know, because I had to put the face on and I had to get my job done. And then I remember just like hysterically crying the whole way home from work because it was like, okay, now's my time that I have to get it out. Um, And then I was going home to my boyfriend at the time, my now husband, and I didn't want to have to keep unloading it on him, you know? So (laughs) it was like, I was finding my time to get the emotion out. Um, But then there came this point of, I was too tired to cry anymore, you know, and you become exhausted by crying, but the grief is still there. So it's like, well, Mm. now how do I get this out in a different way? And I personally turned to writing. Again, this was another thing my mom had taught me when I was younger. It's kind of amazing all the things that came to serve me in the wake of her loss that she had taught me. Um, And this was one of them. She would teach me to just write, get everything out on the paper. And she would say like, don't be afraid who's going to read it. Just get, and it doesn't even matter if it makes sense, just get it all out of you and onto the page. And then you can rip it up and throw it in the trash or, you know, you can shred it. No one ever even has to see that, but that practice actually really served me in my grief because I was able to just get it out, get that energy out of me. Like you said, I was moving the energy through me somehow and releasing it. Um, and that doesn't happen overnight. You know, it took months and years of continuing to tune into what do I need right now? What is my grief asking me to do now? And and sometimes it was physical movement. It was the yoga or it was writing, or it was just calling a friend and saying, you know, I have to be so sad right now. And I have to cry because this thing triggered a memory of my mom or, you know, yeah. I think sometimes too, you get, uh, you know, after a while you've, when the rest of the world moves on from yes. the loss, yeah. right. You're, yeah. you're still like, okay, but there's still this gaping huge hole in my life and yeah. everybody else's normal has moved forward and mine hasn't. So sometimes you feel, you know, guilty bringing it up to friends or family members. Cause you're like, they're sick of hearing this or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that leads me to my my next point, because I think Mm -hmm. seeking out the right help is really important because just for that reason, like I said, if you're feeling like there there aren't as many people in your close circle to turn to, or you're afraid of overwhelming them, and then that stops people from going anywhere to seek help, you know, and and trying to struggle with them on their own. And that's not really... I've learned. <laughs> this is yeah. all like in hindsight. I've learned yeah. that, you know, you can't keep it in and it's okay if you don't want to talk to the people closest to you because you're afraid of overwhelming them, but you do need to find an outlet. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to read for my listeners an excerpt from your website. 
you speak of your work and what you have to offer those who are grieving. And you say, what I can offer you in your grief is a place to land, an invitation to keep trusting your own heart. What I can relieve you from is the need to keep it tidy or contained or linear or sane. What I can remind you of is your own heroic healing energies and your ability to harness them. What I can tell you is onward sometimes means inward, forward sometimes leans backwards, up doesn't always mean out, and even though I have made this journey, I cannot say what you'll find or lose along the way. This really resonated with me when I read it because I thought of myself 10 years ago. I was 24 years old when I lost my mom. And at the time, like I said, I didn't really have any resources or much guidance. I had lots of support, lots of people around me that loved me and wanted to Mm -hmm. be there for me. But I didn't have anybody who had specifically gone through what I went through or, you know, had the tools to give me, um, you know, aside from my mom giving me that little tidbit of information, uh, because she had lost her mom when she was relatively young. Oh, really? Yeah, she lost her mom. I think her mom was 51 when she when she passed. So my mom herself was in her early thirties and had young kids. And, um, you know, that mm. was part of what she had said to me was, you know, I didn't, she didn't deal with it herself right away. Cause she didn't know how, but that mm-hmm. she feels like holding it all in hurt her more in the long run. And that you really, wow. you really do need to address it and work through it. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to how important you think it is that someone who's grieving seek that help and support and that they find some sort of community or outlet to support them through this. Yeah, I think it's very important. And I, <clears throat> I love how you touched on the writing um, because I've, I had a similar experience with writing um, before I, I found other, you know, external resources. And, um, and I, I find that sometimes you know, whether it's writing or even like reading other people's stories, sometimes words can go where no human can or where we don't let other humans go because we just, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't feel right. And so I really think that whatever way, there's so many ways. And so whatever way feels like nurturing and supportive to you and um, doesn't feel like it's too much. Like, you know, if you're not, there's like grief groups, but if you're not somebody that that feels like a good idea to, like, it's not going to really be great. You're going to, you know, it might not be the best fit or you can try it. But, um, so I feel like it is important to, I guess it's two part. I, I always really like to give a name to, to honoring the collapse. And I feel like often, you know, people sometimes will reach out to me and go like, you know, what can I do? And this, you know, I just had a major loss, like, a week ago or a few days ago. And I feel like it's such, it's actually a very innate and great response for humans to mobilize in the wake of tremendous loss, because that just, it's, it's a way that we survive. But I also feel like in the wake of tremendous loss, we have to land. And um, sometimes we, we can't really take a first step until we land. And that landing can take a very long time and it can be very you know, painful and it cannot look like everybody else wants it to look like, well, you know, you should be moving on by now. And, and so I think, you know, honoring whatever that, that landing and collapse looks like. And then within that, you know, I think of it sometimes as like seeds in the ground. There is it just because there doesn't appear to be external movement. There's so much happening, um, you know, in that space. And so I think things, yeah, like, writing and reaching out. I I often ask in my workshops, 
when I talk about community and external resources, like, is there somebody, you know, who, who do you have somebody that feels like you can call, like you were talking about your friend that you can call and just, you know, and actually be honest with, is there somebody you can call? Is there somewhere you can go? Is there like, you know, a group or a class or something or a place where you feel like you're not alone, but you can actually still be completely you. And if you don't have that, like, what would it look like? Because many of us don't have that. Um, so I feel like even just vi- creating the visual of like, what would this, what would the traits be of this person or this thing that would be that would make me feel less alone in my experience? And um, so yeah, I, I think there's such a range from writing to movement to you know trying, you know, different kinds of support, um, therapy, all of those things. I think it's, it's important to go a little bit out of our comfort zone and like, um, having a sense of, well, I, there is something, you know, there's something that I'm reaching for. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to explore a little bit. Um, because it all ultimately helps support our experience, which as we know is, is a lifelong, you know, experience. That's also, it's funny you should say that because that was something that I wanted to touch on or or ask your opinion on is that, do you believe it's a cyclical process grief or that it's, I don't even know if cyclical is the right word, but that it's, it's something that doesn't go away entirely. You know, it's for me, I found that it's gotten significantly better over the past Mm -hmm. 10 years. Like if I look back to 10 years ago and what that grief yeah. felt like compared to what it feels like now, it's a lot less heavy and it doesn't trigger me in the same way as it did then, but it's still there. And I believe yeah. it's not ever going to go away. I just wonder if that's, if that's your take on it or, or what your take yeah. is on it. Yeah. I think of grief as being more of an integrative experience than as like something that we need to get over. And I think that you said it well, is that often as um, time goes on and we come into different places, both in our body and in our life that we find things don't trigger us as much, but that we still, if we go back to that memory, it's still very alive. And, um, and so I feel like there's no need to get rid of it. Um, I think that, you know, it's like any relationship in our lives that continues to inform how we grow. And, um, I think I, in my own experience, I found that the healing happens over, you know, for me, it's been 18 years, but I would guess a lifetime because when I had my son, I remarried about 10, nine years ago, and we're going on 10. (laughs) And when I had my son, who's now six, all of a sudden I had this experience of like the feelings that you have for a child were so overwhelming and so big that they actually reminded me of my experience of grief in a very wonderful and beautiful way. But they were over, they were the same. I felt them in the same places in my body. They were the same overwhelming. I can't control this big love that I have. And so I feel like, and then besides that, I've noticed that I've been able to kind of repair pieces of my initial experience of grief that felt like, you know, nobody was there for me. Um, in different ways, being able to witness people being supported and also being able to support people that I've been able to really see how things that I felt like were unhealable now so much, you know, so many years later were actually, I found healing. And so I feel like when we're open to, to really inviting our whole experience forward and, and letting it 
change. And, you know, I, I think it, it does grief sometimes leaves and sometimes comes back and like letting it kind of just like love, it's like letting it take up space and be whatever it needs to be that we get to really get into a depth of our humanity that allows us to love more and allows us to have a fuller experience of life, you know, by letting it, letting it grow with us, I guess. I completely agree. And I think it's just really great to give people, especially if there's someone listening who's newly grieving, uh, you know, has a, a recent loss to, to set that example, to let them know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that if you're willing to be open to the process that has to occur in yes. order to move through it, you know, that there is a lot of beauty to be found and discovered and a lot of healing that will take place if you allow yourself to truly just ride this roller coaster and, and try to create safe space for yourself and, and give yourself, like you said, the practices or the writing or the yoga or, or whatever it is, give yourself that outlet that allows you to keep moving forward. And for me, I agree that I think I had said to you, uh, before we hopped on the interview here that my, the work that I do with my nonprofit has been very cathartic for me because I interview a lot of people who are dealing with the illness that I lost my mom to. Um, mm -hmm. And that has been very healing for me. As I look back, I realize like, wow, all, all these wonderful people that I've met and all these experiences that I've shared with these people have somehow healed those wounds in me that when I think mm -hmm. back to the fresh wound, I thought mm -hmm. nothing will ever make this feel better. You know, there's there's no way I can ever get over this. And so I think it's just important that you gave that experience of your own and that hopefully me sharing mine as well, let someone who's new to grieving know that there is a way through this and that there is in time, you will, you will find that those parts that feel so devastating and unhealable, that they can and will be healed in some way. And that you just have to keep taking that next step forward. Yes. Right. I think, yeah. You put it beautifully. Yes. The next step. Thank you. <laughs> well, we spoke about the benefits of yoga for depression and grief, and we talked about uh, writing. Um, and I'm wondering, are there any other things you would throw out there? We may have already talked this about this enough. <laughs> We've got nothing else to mm -hmm. say, but uh, <laughs> to people who are grieving, processing the emotions through the pain, uh, you know, writing, yoga, are there any other things that you would suggest or recommend um, I would, yeah, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one is, you know, a lot of times, um, people's experience of loss is traumatic and, uh, some grief, I, I think of it as like grief is often traumatic. It's not always traumatic, but when we have an experience of traumatic grief, um, sometimes we don't realize that we've had a traumatic experience and trauma is different than grief. And for me, like an understanding of trauma is really the foundation on which I approach grief, especially grief in the body. Um, but I think that when, when we understand that they're different and that trauma can be, um, worked with, you know, like we just talked about grief is kind of this lifelong exploration and integration process. Trauma can be the same, but it, there's so many ways, especially nowadays that we can, um, that have are available to work with trauma and actually heal trauma and to help it help kind of 
make it not such an overwhelming experience because a lot of times the it can be hard to get to the grief because we have the trauma kind of taking up the bigger space. And so I kind of just over time talking to people have found that when when they're able to separate it out and when they're able to <clears throat> maybe address that in a therapeutic setting first, that then they can actually have like what we're talking about, the the grieving experience and the honoring and the, you know, the mourning and because it's yeah. not always and that's what I, I really like about the fact that you do these workshops because I don't think when you think of yoga, you think, okay, I'm gonna go work my grief out. <laughs> You know, (laughs) like that doesn't come to mind for people who don't practice yoga and uh, or even you touched on earlier meditation, you know, can be a really powerful tool in helping you move through these heavy emotions as well. And I think part of what seems to be a theme throughout the conversation is that it's not really going to be just one one thing that helps you. Right. That it's you really need to tap into a variety of different ways to move through the grief. And that's going to look different for every single person. And so there isn't this formula of how do we, you know, I kind of felt like when, when my mom passed, or like I said, as I've dealt with grief and other scenarios since at times you're kind of like, why isn't there just a playbook? You know, (laughs) that like when this happens, somebody says like, okay, great. So this is how you get through it. And I also think for years, people just weren't talking about their grief at all, you know, and in a way we're fortunate now in today's time that people are speaking about it, you know, and sharing with each other. I don't know about you, but this is so, so wonderful for me to even talk to you about a common shared experience, you know? Yes. And like you said, that's the grief groups could be great for people in that way. Um, or not, because it might make you feel really uncomfortable if that's not something that you, you feel you'd get relief from. But the point being, we should explore all that's out there and find what specifically could help you. And more importantly, seek the help in some way, shape or form to help you move through the grief, because that is truly the only way, uh, you know, to feel some sort of relief is to work through it. So on this show, we speak a lot about compassion and community. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing with us what compassion means to you. Mm, compassion. Uh, I love that, that you talk a lot about. <laughs> I So for where I am in my life right now, I've, I really see compassion as, as me being able to show up as a human for another human um, and offer them a container of unconditional love. And so that within that container, everything is welcome so that this other, you know, whoever we're relating to, they can feel free to, to be their whole self. And whether that's, you know, anger or sad or unknowingness or knowingness or like whatever shows up. And I feel like compassion, um, means that I keep a foot in my present, in my present awareness and in my body and in my, you know, stay anchored in what's true and here and now for me while also being able to like accompany somebody else in their experience fully. And to me, that's a little bit different. I think of it as different than empathy because especially as somebody with a profound experience of loss and grief, um, 
I noticed when I first started to do this kind of work that it was really easy for me just to go like, I'm just going to go in and drown with you because I know what it feels like. You know, like, I don't know what you feel like, but I know what it feels like. And I'm like, and that just, to me, it wasn't like, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't sustainable. And I felt like I, you know, I'm, if I'm going to be here to support not just other humans, but like our just how we better, you know, have this experience of being human together that, that it has to be different. And so for me, that's, that's compassion and that's being, you know, taking care of myself so that I can show up for people and really offer them like this. I just think of it as unconditional love so that, um, it's big enough to hold whatever shows up and, and also, you know, big enough to keep the hope alive, you know, in that, in that experience. That's beautiful. It's just a beautiful take. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. How important would you say the support of community is for those who are grieving? And how can we best support members of our communities who are grieving? Yes, community. Well, I so community to me has definitely become the number one thing. It's it's what I try to facilitate, like even on a small level with <clears throat> the groups or workshops that I do. And um, it's it's so vital for, to me, because I always kind of look at things through the lens of like the body. And I feel like humans are why, like we, since the moment we're born, we need other humans. And we've need, like, we understand that with the idea of a baby, but we're wired for connection and we need connection. And um, anytime things go wrong, um, especially in a big way, whether it's a tragedy or an injury, like our instinct, the actual way our bodies are wired is to look for help from other humans because that's just how <laughs> we survive as a species. And it's easier to understand like, you know, if, you have, if you're in an accident, of course, you're going to hope somebody can come and help you. But with something like grief, it still assaults our system in a similar way, often like our emotional and our psychological and like our bodies, our whole experience feels just as, you know, injured in a way. And so our instinct is like, where are the people to, you know, like to have this conversation to not to fix it, but to help me to carry it. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't find that. Um, I had a similar experience to you where I felt like there were lots of people, you know, my dad used to buy, bring me like cases of insure because I wouldn't eat. And so like, you know, he got me a treadmill. And so I feel like there's, we all, People show up in the ways that they can, but it often doesn't make us feel, we, it doesn't reach us because we're in a place that they either can't go or won't go. And so because, you know, I've also heard experiences where people have wonderful communities and I, I just, I wish there was more of that. But but because we're wired to need humans, that's our first level of defense and we will have, you know, better is not the right word, but a better experience if we're supported. And when we don't have community, we, you know, instinctively will drop into other ways to try to survive and to try to regulate our experience. And they're fine. Um, but it's, it's, I think it is a, to stay with a community piece. It's very important. It's instinctual. Um, and I know that many of, you know, down, like in my experience, I became very isolated by choice because I felt like there's nobody who gets me. I don't feel welcome. There's, you know, there's no place for me. And it's, it was a way that I was trying to survive an experience, but it wasn't, um, it, I wasn't getting what I needed. And so when I was able to kind of make it through that and get to the other end of this, that arc where I was once again able to reconnect with humans, not, it doesn't take, but you know, sometimes we think like it has to be 
a big connection with somebody I love or somebody who knows me, like the way that our bodies register love, like on a biological level is very simple. Like it's like a conversation. It can be a conversation with a stranger, you know, that just, you feel like, Whoa, I just had this. I think we've all had that, like this ping of like, we just got each other for a moment and it was 15 seconds. And then there, you know, I don't even know who they are, but that those little moments really feel like love to our bodies. And that's what gives us a sense of connection and that we're not alone. And, you know, of course there's a bigger range to that, but yeah, I I think it's huge. And, um, and then your other piece about how can we support people? I, I always come back to, we can only go, we can only go with people as far as we've gone in ourselves. And I, I just really kind of believe that so much that, the better that we can sit with our own pain and the better that we can navigate our own, you know, tremendous experience of being human, the better we're going to be able to sit with somebody else in their discomfort. Because if we can't even sit with our own discomforts, like it's going to be even harder to sit with someone else without trying to rush them or fix them. And I think, as you know, probably like that's the last thing we need when we're in grief at, at any time. We just want to be accompanied and honored and supported and and I really think doing our own work, which is very hard, helps us to be a better, more compassionate human to people who need it. You know, I totally agree. And I think that this also goes hand in hand with what we've spoke about, about needing to process the grieving and moving through things is that that can be challenging. As you mentioned, that when people are re- wanting to just rush you through it because it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for them. Yes, exactly. Right? Because, <laughs> and I get that. Like, it's mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable yourself with these emotions, you're certainly not going to be able to hold the space for me to have these emotions. But I have to have these emotions. I can't not. <laughs> um, but, yep. you know, for me, my personal experience in the beginning, unfortunately, played out for me that the anger kind of took hold in certain ways and I pushed people away. Like you said, you Mm -hmm. felt like you were just in this space where nobody can possibly get what I'm going through. So therefore, I have no one to relate to. So I just have to isolate myself. Mm -hmm. And I had that experience. And looking back, I don't regret having that experience. I regret that if I hurt anybody in the process, but Mm -hmm. I think it was a part of the process. And that kind of as you were saying earlier, that you have to land before you can move forward. That's mm-hmm. precisely what it was that I had yeah. to, I wasn't landing yet. You know, I was still no. reeling no. and unfortunately reeling sometimes means that you're, you're icing people out, <laughs> you know, because, Which is okay. yeah. you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's not kind. It's not good. It's not nice. But, uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people, maybe for you, it's a part of the process. And I think the important factor in that is that when you land, you kind of trace your steps a little bit. And and I had to say like, I'm sorry that I did that, but I needed to do that. And now I'm ready to move forward and, and pick up my pieces and kind of keep going. But it's, um, community. I think when when we speak about people being there for someone who's grieving, sometimes it, it doesn't mean that you have to do anything more than just being there. Exactly. Right. Just being there and giving me the space to be sad, to be mad, to be upset, to feel whatever. I, I know for me, the roller coaster of emotions was like crazy. It just yes. felt like every day <laughs> yes. you were feeling something different. And so unfortunately, that affected your relationships mm-hmm. from day to day because no one knew what they were going to get from me. 
And yeah. um, I think that's a, just an important thing to point out with community is that sometimes you just have to let the person who's grieving ride that roller coaster and do your best, like you said, to like stay grounded in your own truth and hold that mm-hmm. space for them that just allows them to, to do what they need to do to get to move forward, take that next step. Yes. Right? Yes. And I, I think that, you know, there's definitely a place for, for people who who have a lot of education and a lot of experience in the area of grief. But I really think sometimes we sell ourselves short as just a regular human being that's able to show up for another human being. Like we've been doing this for thousands of years and it's not anything we need any special training for. We just, you know, but because we don't, um, it's not so much of a public conversation often. And we often, it's the first time that I think that you said in the beginning that we, you know, we're forced to actually sit with this level of pain and discomfort. Everything else in our life, we can like move away from, we can, you know, get busy or we can, you know, drink or we can like do whatever we, we need to, to, to make ourselves comfortable. And this, it's like always waiting for us at the end of the day, at the end of the bottle, like it's always there. And so I think, you know, it, it does take the, the practice to, to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable, but it's like, we all have access to that. I honestly, I feel like I want to talk to you for another whole hour. <laughs> Uh, another conversation because like you talked about having those pings those moments where you feel like you're just connecting and I'm like I feel like I've had 20 in this conversation (laughs) so thank you for showing up in this way and bringing such a great conversation to my listeners I can't thank you enough and um, I will share with my listeners your your practice and uh, you know your website and all the ways that they can follow you specifically if they're looking for that support in their grieving process. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode of the Be The Good podcast, please like, comment, and share. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts or your favorite Google Play app. And be sure to follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration at be.thegood. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that we can all find our own way to be the good. Mm